calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome back to another week of Awkward Sex in the City, where I'm your host, Fraser Crane. Um, I don't know if that's funny, but you should listen to Anita Flores's I'm Listening. It's a Fraser podcast, and I also love Fraser. Um, well, it's been a day, guys. It's been a day. Uh, <laughs> I just went in on my health issues. I might have migraines. Who knows? My head's in pain, but you just get through life because time never ends. Um, I had Gabe Gonzalez on today, and I'm so glad we've been trying to get um, him in the studio for a long time, but he's a very busy bee because he's got a lot going on and might be moving to LA, which I'll be sad, but like also happy for him. It'd be so great. Um, we talk extensively about porn, and that is all I'm going to say, is that we talk about porn the whole fucking episode, and everything looks cute in a thumbnail, guys. You can follow Gabe at GayBones on Instagram. Uh, and he has a show at Caveat called The Nerds and the Bees, which you should totally check out because Caveat's a great venue and Gabe is a great person and fucking hilarious. Enjoy. I always joke that like three weeks into staying in New York, I got chlamydia and had no insurance, which is what prompted me to realize that he did a job. No! How <laughs> um, and so this one guy that came to work with us told us about this horror story in another studio where he signed a contract. Then they produced a dildo and slapped his face on it and trying to meet me halfway. Just fully dead starfish. And is giving me this like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were a couple of things I uh, I could talk about. Um, there's, um, oh my God, there's a story of the time I hooked up with a porn star when I was working porn, which was a, like, it. fully, it's like, it was a classic, like, don't meet your heroes moment. Like, it was very not good. Let's do um, it. Yeah. Am um, I working behind the camera or on camera? I was working behind the camera. I was working editing, actually. Ah. Wherever you want to go today, we'll go there. Let's talk about I it. I love it. Well, I yeah. let's do let's first go with the porn star because mm-hmm. I love porn. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to know that it's work and yes. that it's legitimate mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Oh my there's god. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. And there's fully there's a great moment happening with porn stars talking about fair pay and like oh, good. The only fans would love to talk about that. That sounds okay, great. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yay. Yeah, it's great. Right right it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I want to say it was maybe December 2012. I had just moved to New York. Uh-huh. Um, I always joke that like three weeks into staying in New York, I got chlamydia and had no insurance, which is what prompted me to realize that he did a job. No. How <laughs> um, much did that cost out of pocket if you don't let me ask it? Well, no. Yeah. It was wild. I talk about this in my stand up set too. Um, how it's like the last time I'm freelancing now and I don't have insurance and I'm trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last time I was uninsured was 2012 when I first moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't found a job yet. I was like crashing on a friend's couch, as you do. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't find My parents' credit was terrible. I couldn't use them as a guarantor. I had no credit. Um, so I'm just like couch surfing and trying to figure things out. And, you know, of course, it's like you moved to a new city. I just gotten a smartphone. We're talking like late 2012, early 2013. And I'm not a wealthy boy, right? No, no. I, it's a very similar situation. Did not have an iPhone when I walked into this big city and like people look at you weird fully like fully look at you weird. i would go places with printouts of map quest like i would yes! go to dudes homes with a printout of map quest and their phone number written down like Do you remember Hopstop? <laughs> yes i loved Hopstop. yo Hopstop. Oh. oh my god i would stick Hopstop directions when i lived in florida on my rearview mirror just like tape them to the back of the rearview which uh-huh. was probably very dangerous uh but <laughs> i would fully just look at them while i drove it was great oh my god yeah Okay, so you're couch surfing. Oh my god, yeah, you... couch surfing and finally got on a smartphone. I downloaded a hookup app. I think it was probably Scruff, Grinder, both were around at the time. And it was like this whole world opened up to me. Uh-huh. Uh and it was wild, right? So I'm like bopping around. I hooked up with some dude who said he produced like reality television. I was like, I want to write something about being queer and Latino. And he's like, people will be overwhelmed. You can't do both. It was just like a <laughs> roller coaster of emotions, right? Oh and at the god. end of the roller coaster, I get chlamydia. So I'm like, cute, let's like <laughs> Let's go to a walk-in, whatever, we'll figure it out. Like, this can't be more than an Uber, right? Like, I'll uh-huh. take the train home, like, whatever. No joke, I tell you, I reacted better to the news I got chlamydia than the bill to treat chlamydia. Like, it oh was my God. disaster. It was out of pocket, right? And, like, you, you have two options. You can always go to a free clinic. Uh-huh. But, like, sometimes you have to wait, like, four or five hours. And I was like, well, I'm on the roll, you know what I mean? I have things to do. Let's yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, you're a little New Yorker now. Honey, I had no money and even less after that. It was brutal. Ooh. So I was like, we're going to put off being a slut until we get a job. Yeah. That was the thing, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Because, same, I didn't have health insurance. I don't know if it's the same as it was back then but with the whole like uh you stay on your parents insurance till you're 26 not the case if you're a military brat oh yeah. i like on my military id all my um benefits expired the day after i graduated including health insurance and i don't know if it's the same anymore but that's what it was like when 2010 when i graduated yeah. i just did not have health insurance so uh not until obamacare yeah. Did I have health insurance? Yeah. It was funny because when that passed, I was not speaking to my father and my mom was unemployed. So I was like, well, I'm going to need my own insurance yeah. anyway. Like, we got to figure this out. Like, oh no. No, it was really, yeah, it was wild. Cool. And so the yeah. job, so did you immediately, was the next job like right into into porn? Like that's yeah, what fully. you got? Okay, cool. So it's like, the, I mean, like the gag is my parents were like pushing me to get a job. Uh-huh. I had gone, I went to Brown and I had to take out so many student loans because like, mm-hmm. my parents couldn't afford that. You know, I went to Brown. I was like, I'm going to be a poli sci major. Like, I want to I want to work in the foreign service, work in government. Like a year in, I like started smoking weed and met a bunch of like weird radical queers. And I was like, right. this is absolutely inhumane. I cannot. I don't want to perpetuate <laughs> colonialism throughout the world. Like, let me do cinema instead. Like, <laughs> Let me do porn. Right. And so that was the thing. It's like I had this like film and media studies degree. I had concentrated in, in like production. Uh-huh. So I had this experience and I was like, how can I apply this? Like, I want to be behind the camera. Like, obviously, like not getting hired at these digital places like this was like the ad, like the golden era of like 
um, BuzzFeed and Gawker mm-hmm. and like everybody's making digital videos and mm-hmm. shit's about to explode. And I am like 21 years old in New York with like a degree in zero experience. Yeah. So I like, I'm looking everywhere, like monster.com, like Indeed. I make a LinkedIn oh or whatever, right? And then I go to Craigslist because at the time, like Craigslist was still hopping. Yeah. Loki Craigslist is the time I met my first boyfriend in college. Really? <laughs> yes, the Craigslist personal. Because I didn't, I didn't know where else to go. It was like that, a website called Adam for Adam or like another website called Dudes Nude. It was, the pickings were slim. Dudes yeah. Nude. Uh-huh. It's Before like I didn't smartphones. even try. Honestly, though, it was a spectacular minimal layout it was just a white background with very small fonts mm-hmm. and men could like send you a password and you could enter it and see their exclusive album which was usually just oh my god the raunchiest it was great i'm also kind of picturing it like the space jam website have you ever seen it <gasps> oh like the old GeoCities kind of it's like still like that yeah they like never updated it so that's I what i'm that. that's what i'm picturing and then just seeing like a pixelated dick like slowly come up fully that fully <laughs> that and then you have to click on the tiny ass thumbnail to like see it in detail and sometimes oh. you're like oh that's pretty in the thumbnail and then it blows up and you're like, like wow. oh no everything's pretty in the thumbnail mm-hmm. <laughs> okay well, do you remember what the ad was like what was the um like the title yeah it was very vague actually okay um so it was just like looking for a video editor uh-huh um and it didn't even like describe the kind of work it was like for a small production studio Ooh. um just you know looking looking to hire someone on, on like a freelance basis for a couple weeks could be a full-time gig so i emailed them like, hey, I just moved to New York. Um, this is, here are some of my samples from college, which were terrible. They were all these like weird, bizarre, abstract things <laughs> with like weirdly colored lighting and like uh-huh. no, I don't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. Um, it was just like, I would like make my friends from my improv team do stuff in front of the camera and then try to yeah. cut it up into something coherent. It was a mess. <laughs> um, and so I apply and a week later, they're like the second job I've heard back from, right? Wow. Um, the first one like brought me in for an interview and then I never heard back. So I was like, okay, I got to jump on this. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, if you don't mind, can I ask what you do? And they were like, we are still very vague about it. They're like, we're a production studio that specializes in adult entertainment. Ah, uh, specializes in adult entertainment. Would you? Is that something you're comfortable with? And I was like, all right, honey, we're not in a space to be picky right now. Like, this is mm-hmm. not. You know what I mean? Like, we're gonna take what we can get. So I'm staying on like my friend Alistair's couch. Thank you, Alistair, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do this. So I go in and they send me the address and it's like Madison Avenue. It's like, it's like close to the Upper East Side mm. or like, you know, maybe like the southernmost point on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And it's the sixth floor of this walk-up apartment. So I'm like, what is going on? Am I going to get kidnapped? Like, yeah. am I going to get like, I don't know, like seduced into doing tickle porn? Like, what is this? What's the scenario? And I walk up <laughs> and it's all these apartments. I get to the top floor and I knock and mm-hmm. it's a door with two locks on it. So I hear both locks unlock and then they open and there's another door behind the door. What the fuck? I know, right? And they're like, Gabe? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, thank you so much for coming. Like, welcome. And they open the other door. Uh-huh. And I walk into what could have been a studio apartment, but was, I guess, once a live workspace. Mm-hmm. And it was like the last, like it, it had been a live workspace before. And it was like the last live workspace left in the building. The rest were apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, So I walk in and it's like three little desks set up with uh-huh. Macs on them, a like black leather couch which makes sense later and then a small bathroom and a bunch of closets i'm like okay wow 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 and i sit down and it's an older man maybe in like his mid 50s he's like balding wearing mostly black with like glasses and then a taller muscular guy who's like in his early 30s wearing like a short sleeve polo and like very tight jeans and they're uh-huh. like hi welcome and they sit down 
And I learned that they're like an offshoot of a larger porn studio located in San Francisco. Okay. Their New York office is like three to five employees. They had just had a cameraman quit. And they were looking for somebody who might be a fit, right? And so I'm like, okay, QQQ. I've come in like dress pants and a button down. And uh-huh. they're, you know what I mean? They're like, they're not even giving me Chelsea gay. They're giving me like Bushwick gay on a Sunday morning, like come hungover grabbing coffee. Like it was yeah. like, uh, they were very comfy. And I was like too dressed up. And so I go to sit on the couch and the, the like more muscular dude is like, nice butt. And I was like, okay, it's this kind of interview. All right, all right, all right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, but like at the time, I like, you know, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so young. Yeah, you're 21. And I'm gathering at their porn studio and they sit down and they tell me what porn studio there are. And I'm like, oh, I have fully seen your right. work. I Let like me be able to list. Video. Yeah, right. They're uh, like, do you know any talent? And I was like, I'm not sure I know their names, but I can describe them, like <laughs> what they've done in their most recent videos. Like, their penis like kind of curves yes. in an S shape? Yes. That one. I love him. Like he shaved his pubes really weirdly from 2007 to 2009. <laughs> but like afterward, we were great. You know what I mean? Like truly love his work. Um, And it was wild. It was so surreal. And it's it's so funny because like I thought they were fake and then they thought I was fake because they were like, who would graduate from an Ivy League university and try to find a job on Craigslist? And I was like, me it's me like yeah it's like did you guys do you not remember the housing crisis like i know porn wasn't affected but like almost everything else was fully and i started college like like at the peak of the housing crisis like i graduated Mm -hmm. high school in 08 and so you know what i mean like my parents would take out another mortgage help me pay for college and then they couldn't even because like it was just a mess and so yeah so mad student loans and i was like all right let's get a job it was really i don't know it was a lot of fun at first, obviously, like the novelty of, of like editing porn is wild. The interview itself was crazy because it was two parts. It was a sit down interview for like a half hour. Uh-huh. And then they were like, how much time do you have this afternoon? And I was like, fully unemployed and you in the city. What's <laughs> up? Right? Like, Nowhere to be. Nothing to do. Not at all. And they're like, we have uh, three hours of raw footage from a scene. We would love to see what you can do with it over the next three to four hours. And I was like, what? And they're Whoa. like, here's a computer. Just sit down. So fully just hand me unedited footage of these two men fucking at like the Waldorf Astoria. Okay. Like they fully fancy. I think they snuck into a hotel and like shot this scene. And I like I spent the first half hour just like fully shocked and gagged. I was like, what? I'm allowed to do this in the setting. Like, what is happening? Who are these men? Like, what do I keep? What do I edit out? You know what I mean? Like, random question. What shoes were you wearing? What shoes was I wearing? Oh my God. I think I was wearing. Probably like like those black slip on vans. You know okay. what I mean? I was kind of just like picturing you nervous, but wearing like dress like like dress shoes, and it's just like kind of nervously like tapping on like the wooden like workspace. Yeah, oh my god, I wish. <laughs> no, I was like fully like you know business casual up until the shoes because okay. I was like, all right, we have three pairs. We've got like some nice boots, some uh-huh. like gay ass shoes, and then like the black vans, which are neutral for me. Yes. Yeah. Right choice. Right it's choice. Not not workplace appropriate always, <laughs> but in this case, it was great. <laughs> Um, but I had no idea what to do because I'm like, what what does like dramatic structure look like in porn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are we using like Aristotelian principles of like rising action, climax, and like you know what I mean, resolution? Like, what is? How do I do this? Are we doing like good like rack focuses yes, from like dick to I face, wish. face to dick? I w- actually, okay, that is so. Like my, they ended up hiring me. Spoiler alert, <laughs> and my boss fucking hated me because i was always like trying to do the artsy thing i was like what if we like you know like lit them like very dramatically from the side so like you know half their body was in shadow and it's like their dick disappears sometimes and then like other times i would try to like (laughs) we would like be shooting in a sex dungeon and i would like you know like like come around a corner with a camera and then get like a strap from the string in the foreground and then like rack focus from the strap into the dudes and on the other sling fucking he'd be like 
what is this? You're wasting time. Like they're fucking and I can't see it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I want it to be beautiful. I mean, he's wrong because I love, I get, I get off the hardest to like, that's not true. Yeah. I get off a lot to good stories though. Like when you, when you can tell they took the time to figure out like, how do we get from point A to point B in this story and with the camera work, you're like, all right. I, I see what you did there. Like it's right? it's helping. It's I appreciate helping. Appreciate the effort. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like a storyline, but I do like a strong mise en scène. You know what I mean? I want to be able to feel the story and the relationship mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. setting and the dynamic. I don't need dialogue. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's enough bad acting on TV, and not every porn star is a thespian. There are some exceptions, but I, <laughs> there is this one video I keep going to because I know it'll get me off. And like, I read the comments the other day, and it was like. This acting is like actually good. Look. This is good. Guys, this is good. And then I was like, all right, it's good for porn acting. Right? And it's literally like watching porn with my stepbrother and they end up fucking obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're just like, none of this is believable. No, like, absolutely not. He's not going to like they're in twin beds in the same bedroom like while masturbating away from each other. Like none of this makes sense. Like and this is like it looks like a room in like a hostel. There's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two posters stuck up a tape and you're like, yeah. are, these, are these like, you know, young adults homeless? What's happening? I'm worried for them. Where are their parents? Yeah, they're like, like obviously in their 30s. Yes, and like, fully. Yeah, always. Why, oh my God, of course. Why are you here? Like, yeah. what 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 happened? But um, I, I, w- I will say one of my favorite scenes was that one that Ted Cruz accidentally liked on Twitter that everyone saw. No. And that blonde woman with the glasses who's like peering. I think it's like someone's... I'm, someone's like fucking in her house without permission and she like sees them mm-hmm. and she's like, oh my gosh. And like acting surprised and like, looking around a corner. Uh-huh. It's great. It's fantastic. I've fully forgotten her name. I'm so ashamed. Um, but yeah, it's a great scene. And she had a moment of fame after Ted Cruz accidentally liked her scene and everyone was like, who is she? <gasps> yes. It's hilarious. Oh yeah. my God. I have to look this up because I'm not, it's not ringing a bell. Yeah. I, I know. Bet. Same. I'll like remember it like three hours from now and be like, <laughs> Natalie, we have to. Ah! <laughs> I'm Watch coming right back now. in. Yeah, we're gonna edit again. <laughs> um, but no, it was like I, I it, it was one of the longest jobs I've ever had working in porn. Mm-hmm. I started off just as an editor, mm-hmm. um, and there is there was structure to it, right? It was like, and my boss had his preferences as well. Like, I love seeing face shots in porn. I like seeing people react to things. Mm-hmm. I, I all the notes I would get back on my edits were like too much face, more dick, more dick in the butt. Like people mm-hmm. want to see penetration. I was like. I want to see the discovery. I want to see the realization. Like, I want that. Yeah. And like, I again, preference, obviously, but like, I do not like that just one shot where it's just like, bang, 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 bang. You want to see that people are like enjoying Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I want to see those like balls yeah. like hanging around and like Fully. hitting something. It's so gross. The balls are obscuring the penetration half the time. So yes. you're like, okay, well, I got to get under, under with the camera. It's wild. It is. It's just it drives me insane sometimes when I watch porn and I'm like it's as if there are no people you could substitute anyone's genitals in this scenario like why can't I see I'm I love the wide shot where you can see their full bodies mm-hmm. you know what I mean oh, I yeah. think that's great and my boss is like that's great for an establishing shot no more than like 10 to 20 seconds let's move on wow it was really wild okay and so there were creative differences certainly and uh- I was lower <laughs> on the rung uh-huh um, but it was wild because it was him he was a director mm-hmm. um, and I think he was also a stakeholder in the company mm-hmm um, then there was me, who was the editor. We had a second camera guy because the director was first camera. We also had a casting agent mm-hmm. who would just try to book people however he could. It was really, it, you know, wild, like Craigslist ads, um, reaching out to more established porn stars on social media, 
at the time, you know, Twitter was suddenly sort of becoming a space where you could find porn stars more easily yeah. or uh, like aspiring porn performers who might have put up their own video. So like it was interesting to kind of watch him change his style. And then we had a graphic designer. So it was like five of us in this very cramped live workspace. Mm-hmm. I had picked up smoking since I'd moved to New York. My boss smoked too. And that was like the only time we would speak to each other. He hated like fully hated me wow um you know because i was like this little like queer crust punky bitch i had uh-huh. like just come off of like like after i graduated i spent a few weeks in like a queer commune in oregon i was like wearing aluminum free deodorant and he told me i stank and i needed to change my deodorant at work it was like all these little things and he's like you're such a fucking weed smoking hippie like you don't understand who our clientele is like we want hot dudes like fucking each other hard and i was like what about their faces but also the clientele is just everyone well kind of but i think different studios have different lanes right yeah that's true like i don't like browsers yeah right i don't Mm -hmm. if i see their logo i'm like no i know it's gonna be too rough and weird shots that's the and that's the thing every studio ends up having their sort of signature or a vibe Mm -hmm. and you know if you're gonna like it or not yeah yeah and so with them it was like i feel like they're um they kind of popped up in, uh, it was called Treasure Island, and they kind of popped up in the 90s. They were started by an HIV positive uh, mm-hmm. gay man who was like, I feel like um, after uh, the HIV AIDS epidemic that porn became very, very sanitized. Mm. Um, and this idea of like safety also became tied up with like sort of like ignoring, uh, you know, like sort of like kinks rougher sex like mm-hmm. the gay leather scene there was this idea that everybody needed to look fit and hairless and boy next door and healthy right mm-hmm. and so he was like i want porn that shows the kind of gay men i hook up with right yeah. like we're in dimly lit motel rooms we're like having anonymous sex sometimes they're gross and i don't care and in that way like artistically it really intrigued me yeah um because it seemed to sort of like deviate from the mainstream in this way but then, you know, obviously companies expand. You bring in different directors. Um, some scenes uh, later on after I stopped working there and a couple that came out while I was working there, too, because there were various directors and they all had their squabbles yeah, um, yeah. about what should be, you know, like what is fetish and kink and then what is sort of like um, this bizarre exotification of something. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a lot of criticism that they would sort of, you know, fetishize the uh, the idea of like pause men being like dirty or rough around the edges and so there was a lot of political conversation surrounding their content too which i you know i mean i thought that was interesting i thought it was like bringing up very interesting topics um and so i didn't necessarily agree with everything that was Mm -hmm. happening at the company in terms of like what they were depicting or how they were framing the things they were depicting Mm -hmm. um but i thought it it was so cool right and like obviously you look at something from the outside and you're like oh you have one perception of it. And then you start working in an industry, not even the specific company, but you start seeing things across the board that you wouldn't think about as a consumer, right? Like the rate porn stars were getting paid when I started in like 2012 or 2013 uh, across various studios to me did not seem enough mm-hmm. for a contract you're signing where they can use your name and image in perpetuity for advertising and sell that scene forever and sometimes put it on merch. I remember while I was working at Treasure Island, there was another company. I think it was Lucas Center. Maybe it was, I don't want to name them because I'm not sure. But <laughs> there was Smart. another porn company where a porn star had signed a contract with them, uh-huh. was paid maybe $800 for a scene, which is like, in my opinion, fairly low. Yeah. But it was they were like, it's a quick shoot. It's a quick shoot, whatever. Right. And at the time, that was like a, a pretty regular rate, like okay. $800 for like a one to four hour shoot. Right. And there were some studios that would pay more. 
some studios would shoot differently and spend more time on scenes and like actually have craft services and shit like this. And other studios were very like, we're shooting in the hotel room, pump and dump real quick, two hours, right? And so this one guy that came to work with us told us about this horror story at another studio where he signed a contract. Then they produced a dildo and slapped his face on it. Like it was like a dildo in the shape of his penis. And he was like, it's not in the shape of my penis. Like I never made a penis mold for them. But because he had signed a contract with them and it stipulated certain conditions, um, they did that and like didn't have to give him a cut of the profit, right? Fuck. And so this is what happens also, I think, when you have an industry where um, the idea of management, representation, and unionizing is not necessarily a norm across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked to some porn stars in LA where they they had found management or unions, but a lot of the guys we were working with were sort of like amateurs or like entering the scene. And there were some older porn stars, which I thought was so interesting, were trying to create management companies, right, where they could advocate for their clients and be like, hey, mm-hmm. I know this studio paid me this much. You're not going to rip off this newcomer and offer him 300 bucks to get fucked by five dudes when I know you paid someone else $1,000 to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, to me, is the kind of shit that should be happening in every workplace and environment. You know what I mean? People should be talking about their salaries and like making sure that they are being remunerated fairly. Yeah. Why was it illegal for a long time to not talk about your salary with your coworkers? I don't think it was illegal, but I think it was like like jobs would make you sign contracts where it would say you cannot share your salary or something like that. Yeah, but, I had a few places yeah. that it was like you are not allowed to talk about your salary. I think it's fucked up. That it should be illegal to prohibit employees from talking mm-hmm, about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like you can't outlaw unionizing and that's inherently what that is, like working together to better benefit everybody at that uh-huh. company. But you know, it's tough and porn because they're also not full-time employees, right? They're independent contractors, they're freelancers. Uh-huh. You don't need to offer any additional benefits and it's kind of a one-time thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you had some exclusive contracts where people would be paid, you know, like a, a flat rate for doing a certain amount of scenes for a company over the course of a year. And even then, some talent would complain that they, you know, weren't getting paid enough for that or were being strong-armed into doing more and above and beyond, right? Uh-huh. And so it's things like that that you see that you start, you know, as you are working with people and begin to befriend them and yeah. see them out in other queer spaces, you're like, hey, we're not on set. What's up? How you feeling? Let's talk shop, right? And I start hearing these stories yeah, yeah. from different studios, from other talent that have been talking to each other. Uh-huh. And so that's when, you know, sort of like the veneer starts cracking kind mm-hmm. of. It's like that beautiful image you have of like this utopian hedonistic world where like queer men can fuck and be paid for it. It's like not quite fair, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, I think a lot of this was driven by the advent of streaming sites and studios trying to cut costs. Like that was a big thing I learned um, across the industry. Like, you know, DVD sales were going down um, consistently. And so like studios kind of needed to pivot and find a way to create digital only content that people would pay subscriptions for, Uh um, but also hopefully avoid getting that shit downloaded and ripped. And so it was like all these new technological advancements and platforms for consuming were happening. And so it's this like time of innovation, but also like mad dash scramble. Yeah. And this was like, Pre OnlyFans too, right? And so it's like you hear porn stars always be like, pay for your porn, pay for your porn. Uh-huh. And at the time it was like, you know, I understood the logic, right? You pay the studios, the studios won't exist exist to employ them if they don't make money. But then like suddenly, like, I think maybe a year after I stopped working there, I think I stopped uh in like 2013, 2014, maybe. It was there about two years. That's when like OnlyFans and um, self-made content really, really started taking off, right? So uh, for anybody who might not know what OnlyFans is, we'll break it down this way, right? Um, So I think a few years ago, this website called OnlyFans started, and there are several now um, that go by different names, like Just for Fans or like, I I don't know, there are a thousand. 
But basically the model is uh, that a, a porn star or somebody who is known on the internet can create a channel. Mm-hmm. You pay a monthly subscription mm-hmm. and you can see the exclusive video and photographic content on their channel, right? Yeah, it's like almost like a like a Patreon for yes. porn. Yes, uh, literally it's a Patreon for porn. And it's kind of ingenious because one, some of the biggest struggles that models are going through were not getting paid fairly, needing mm-hmm. to depend on studios to call them and bring them in, not being able to choose the models they were working with, sometimes uh-huh. not being told and showing up on set and just having to, being expected to deal with whoever was there. Oh, wow. Right? Um, all these things suddenly that were out of their control could be in their control. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some skepticism at first, right? Because it's like, oh, how can I ever develop a following or generate a following or like how can I make porn that's good enough and I think what people kind of discovered is that if the chemistry's there you don't really need great production quality yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean like I don't want a shaky handheld thing where like you know everything's out of focus but suddenly like the possibilities for quote-unquote amateur porn exploded uh-huh. and you saw porn stars working the way influencers do like reaching out and being like hey we're gonna do a collab if you want to see the scene part one will be on this person's channel part two will be on this person's right wow. you can pay me to see my shit you don't have to wait you don't have to subscribe to webs and it, it was why it blew my mind and i was like I kind of wish I had still been working in porn when that happened just to see how like people in the industry dealt with it. Yeah. But I was kind of glad I wasn't there because I was like, I don't know if I would have been able to like negotiate a raise under these yeah. circumstances. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, after, you know, after a while, I, I went from being an editor to like also shooting, which was like nerve wracking at first. And it was like weird because I was like, I'm on set with people fucking, but I have to be very professional and also get the shot and like make sure that when we're taking breaks, like they have water and but like also you, the memory card on the camera and the lights, like so many things to think about. Yeah. Um, and that when I left, it was like kind of great because like I couldn't watch porn while I was working in it, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I don't listen to podcasts. Like, yeah, fucking fully, right? Yeah. Can't, can't yeah. do it. I barely listen to my own, you know, like <laughs> when it's great it, content. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. No, but I feel the same way. Yeah, it was like there was a while where I couldn't like go to stand up shows if like a friend wasn't in it, if there wasn't someone there for me to support. Because I was like, I can't. It feels like work. Yeah, now, I, really now I go just because I want to see new people. But like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad about stand up shows. I'm just like, no. Well, yeah, because for a while I was like, no. It was the same with porn. I was like, I couldn't jerk off to anything. It was terrible. And I was like, this feels like work. I was very desensitized to it. But yeah, um, so I left and then like OnlyFans popped off. And for me, as someone who also like consumes porn, as mm-hmm. almost everybody does, um, it was kind of great to see amateur stuff that broke the mold of what professional studios looked like as yeah. well. And so for me, it was exciting because I was like, oh, I'm not like hyper aware of an editing hand here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm getting a lot of messy, continuous shots, but it's cool because mm-hmm. it feels like you're in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was that time, which was super uh-huh. fun. It was wild. You know, I was also going through this like weird sexual awakening because like I'd gone to college and come out. And I like dated a dude for most of my time there. We broke up before I got to New York. And then I, suddenly I was like, I'm free. I'm in a big city. I have my own apartment. Like, I'm, I've just learned about prep. I'm seeing men fuck every day. <laughs> uh, it was wild. It was great. It was uh, fully fantastic. Um, I do also have a story about a rule I broke while I was working there. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so my boss had several rules, and one of them was don't fuck the talent. He okay. would repeat it constantly. Don't fuck the talent. And he was like, I know you're not going to do it on set, but don't even do it offset. He was like, "It is. you don't want to breach that professional relationship. If you see them on Grinder or Scruff, you don't respond. You don't ever fuck the talent. And I was like, never, 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 never. And I was so good about it. I was so good about it. Until. <laughs> until. I was in 
Hell's Kitchen for an audition I had no business doing. It was for some play, and it was a terrible fucking audition. And I'm like, um, let me go get like a coffee and just like chain smoke outside before I get on the subway and just like decompress. And I had like turned on some dating app because you know at the time I was, I was horny and single, so I turned yeah. it. I had it on all the time, and I hear I, this is a little vibration. I turn on my phone, and it's this porn star that. I had worked with once. I had shot one of his scenes, but before ever working with him, like I had fully watched his stuff, uh-huh. like in high school, in college, like knew his work, had like obsessed over how hot I thought he was for the longest time, and he was just like, "Oh hey, look who's in the neighborhood," and I was like, <gasps> "Oh my god, I know what that means. I know what that means." So I'm in this Starbucks just like literally shaking because I'm like, does he want to fuck me? I think he wants to fuck me. And I was like, hey, what's up? And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm not going to be like, just had a bad audition. And I was like, in the neighborhood for work. What are you up to? And he was like, just chilling at home. Want to come by? And I was like, "Ooh, we're getting to it. All right. Dope. He obviously lives in this like gargantuan apartment, has a two bedroom, lives with another super hot porn star uh-huh. um, who was not home at the time. I go over and he is he opens the door in a jock strap and I was like, oh, wow, okay, oh, just shit. dealing with so much right now, like so overwhelmed. And I, you know, offers me water, get water. We start making out. We move to his room, and I was so excited and like maybe I had set the standards too high. Uh huh. And I should have known better because as someone who edits porn, what you're getting in the end result is not always what's been shot. You know uh-huh, what I mean? Uh-huh. It's you it's have to create the fantasy exactly and you're not seeing someone fuck continuously you're seeing someone fuck a little bit maybe take a break well maybe i don't know it depends on the person but in this instance i was like oh wow okay this is oh it was just it was bad but it was bad in many layers like i don't mean like he was bad at sex like the first thing was that i fe- like he mm, we started fucking he called me poppy Oh, you've this heard what this I remember. joke, right? This what I remember. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yeah, Poppy," and I was like, "What? What?" And like, we had talked about me being Puerto Rican, like very uh, casually. And he was like, "Your last name is Gonzalez," because we also used pseudonyms on set, so he didn't really know my last name. Oh, and then okay, when we were talking, okay, okay. he was like, "Oh, your last name's Gonzalez," and he's like, "You're like fat Latin uncut dick," and I was like, mm, "One oh of those God. things is an accurate descriptor. I don't know about the other two, but and so like that, you know, obviously like that should have been a red flag, and I was like, oh, whatever, right?" So it was like that thing where he was like being porny in real life, but in a way that also felt like a little bit racist and kind of objectifying. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. not racist, like I don't know, xenophobic or at least like creepy. Know. You know Abby's what I mean? Like a little, it's like definitely like teetering on the. It's line. T- he hadn't earned it, right? That's yeah. a that's a name you earn, and so that happens. And then there was this other thing where it was like he he kind of gave me the dead starfish, and he was a he was like a big beefy dude, right? Like six foot. Just like like big muscles, probably like 180 to 200 pounds, just like a beautiful hunk of beefy, conventionally attractive white man. Uh-huh. And he is just like, fuck me, and then lays back on his bed. And I'm like trying to hold these like fucking ham hocks on my shoulders. And he yeah. is not even trying to meet me halfway, just fully dead starfish. And is giving me this like, oh. <laughs> And I was like, first of all, we're not on set, but like vocally you're giving me like the performance and then like physically you're not there. And there was also like no connection. It was just like, it felt very empty and like vacuous. And so for me, it was like an ultimate, like don't meet your heroes moment. Yeah, don't fuck Just like, don't fuck your heroes. Don't meet your heroes. Don't like, I don't know. Don't even smoke weed with him. Just don't run the risk. When he was on set, when you like watched his Mm -hmm. stuff, was he more energetic? 
I mean, he was always very pleasant and and professional, but like on set, there was a level of direction, right? It's like, hey, we need you bent over on the couch like mm, this, but you're like, here, we'll do this for a little bit, right? Um, and you know, even with the studio I shot with, it was more, there was, you know, it was kind of trying to be very like gonzo porn. It was very handheld. We would kind of let them move about and offer minimal direction. But even then, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of got to be like, hey, I can't really see anything. Like lean out, cheat out, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even need, I don't need like a porn athlete. I just need somebody who's like physically connected and in it. Yeah. And it felt like he was like having a cigarette. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just like getting off was this sort of like, like, uh, I don't know, like a habit or, a, or just a thing to do out of boredom. It was so weird. I was wondering if it's like, you know, listening to podcasts or going to comedy right? shows. He's just like this, at the end of the day, it's still kind of work, you know? Maybe that and was his thing, he became desensitized yeah. to it. Oh my God. And that's why he literally just was like, and I'm dead weight, yeah. you know? Like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, maybe oh. the industry ruined us both at that point in our lives, but oh. but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, the industry's evolving. I haven't talked to this guy in forever. I unfriended him on Facebook after he posted something super racist. Um, Story tracks. Yeah, it was an Obama birther thing and then another thing about Muslims. Uh. And I was like, I, I literally unfriended him on the Obama birther thing. And then I saw someone comment under another thing he had posted. And then I was like, all right, you're fully blocked. Like, we're done. So, yeah. So, I haven't talked to this guy in years, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I mentioned, porn is changing. I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, a good friend of mine who's a performer right now named Ty Mitchell wrote a really great essay on like why why it is important to pay for porn and sort of what ethical treatment and payment looks like in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so that's maybe something I'd recommend to like look up and read about. Also, he's hilarious on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. I don't pay for porn. It's, I don't know yeah. anyone that pays for porn. Mm -hmm. And it, it is really fucked up for something that like I use on uh, some weeks, a weekly basis and right. some weeks, a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did he yeah. say? Like, where, who, who should we be paying? Well, I mean, I, I think the conversation was really centered on a lot of what we just talked about, kind of how, you know, porn stars aren't always fairly paid by studios. Uh -huh. And, um, you know what I mean? Like, this sort of advent of OnlyFans, uh, in my opinion, just sort of like increases the necessity to pay for porn because now you, you know exactly who it's going directly toward, yeah. right? Um, and you can encourage specific talent and patronize specific talent yeah um to make sure that they can live and survive you know what i mean because i think a major problem in the porn industry is that you've often got a limited time span sometimes you know what i mean unless you can leverage yourself into a name a recognizable talent or uh -huh. a director or somebody who retires from performing and becomes their own producer we've seen a lot of people who are well known in porn struggle with drug addiction, mental illness, um, living in poverty with nowhere to turn, right? Because yeah. they've been in an industry that isn't offering them benefits for so long. The income is maybe not steady when you're not at your peak or perhaps at your most desirable. And it also encourages unrealistic body standards. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, I saw so much body dysmorphia from men who were beautiful, like oh, no. much better bodies than me. Just so ripped, so gorgeous. They'd be like, oh, I don't want to work with that guy because he's like so much more fit than I am or like he has a six pack and like I don't. And I'm like, you are gorgeous and there are thousands of men jerking off to you around the country, right? Like currently. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, right? Because there's always that push to be, to be not even better, but to fit the ideal archetype, right? And even when you are with a director or a studio that's trying to break what that archetype looks like, 
it's frustrating because at the end of the day, it's like consumers sort of like push these same things. Like yeah. I remember my boss told me once that DVDs with people of color on the cover sold 20 to 30% less than DVDs with just white men Fuck. or that centered white men on the cover. Wow. And so it's that thing where it's like when your consumer basist has these quote unquote preferences that are actually just racism, uh-huh. what do you do, right? When you are trying to operate ethically and fairly in an industry, but you also have to meet certain quotas, right? And yeah. so it was like, I would fight with my boss all the time about stuff like this. I was like, this is the hottest guy in in the whole fucking DVD. Why isn't he on the cover? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. why aren't we promoting this scene from the DVD? And it was like, I don't know. It was this like terrible fight and this back and forth. Um, but, you know, I think that that happens across entertainment. I think, yeah. you know, certain performers, whether it's porn, whether it's movies or TV shows, I think we've seen for a long time, like dismantling these systems of racism, like has to happen at many levels. Right. Like, yeah. You need performers to be conscious of it, but also the people that are hiring them. Mm-hmm. And you also need to like not patronize to your consumer base, right? Because yeah. like, sure, you have this data, but if you put the effort in, you can change norms and you can change the way an industry looks. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, it becomes kind of lazy. I'm just like, oh, but we know this won't sell as well. Right. We know a female blah, blah, blah won't do as well as this male blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's very easy for people to just, I, I feel like it's just they're hiding behind the data rather than like actually taking the data and being like, well, what, like you said, how can we change this? Yeah. Um, and it's sad. You really don't think about it with porn. And it is probably the most consumed entertainment, yeah. I would assume. I, I feel like it is. Yeah. And I think part of the reason you don't think about it is that porn financially is treated like such a, a, a weird, like underground CD venture, mm-hmm. right? I think um, another person that I think has been doing a very good, effort to combat this is Cindy Gallup who talks about how like startup porn companies or existing porn companies have a hard time finding funding and staying afloat. And even though they, uh, the porn industry is a place for innovation, right? Like thumbnails on the internet exist because of porn kind of, right? Like porn sites started the norm of using thumbnails that you could then click on and expand as an easy way. I actually didn't realize it was porn. It literally was porn sites uh, uh, during the early days of the internet that like really normalized the use of thumbnails, right? Haptic feedback technology, um, the vibrations you have on your remote controls when you're playing like PS4. Uh That technology was spearheaded with like vibrators. You know what I mean? These idea of using like Bluetooth vibrators or like vibrate, you know, it's wild how much um, just the sex industry overall has been a place for innovation because there's that room to experiment. Uh-huh. Um, but because it's sex, right? Because it's sex explicitly without censorship and honestly, the idea of of funding it or talking openly about the ways we consume it uh-huh. is like very, very taboo. And I think that's also a big part of why you see so many unfair practices, um, such few resources offered to porn performers, right? Because mm-hmm. as long as you're treating it as an underground industry, um, you're just not going to get that that level of investment or that like broader conversation. And I do feel like with OnlyFans and with these porn stars who are also writing and speaking and in charge of like how they're sharing their image, I think we're seeing the talent in the industry reshape the way we talk about it, which I think is really cool. Nice. Uh, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, I need to go pay for porn. I know, right? right? Well, here's what I will say. I I have started paying for some OnlyFans. I think it's great. Um, okay. I find people I really like and support, and I, I'll do it. Uh-huh. 
But every now and then, I'll like you know, I'll hop on a Pornhub or like a, a MyVidster or something, and it's you know, it's unethical. But there's also like porn scenes that like I maybe wouldn't be able to find if I didn't go buy a DVD. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. old, like old ass like vintage scenes, stuff that originated on Tumblr. Uh, but that oh my god, that's a whole nother can of worms to unpack because then a lot of like non consensual porn was posted on Tumblr. Just like people being filmed and then another partner. That oh, happened to me once. I fuck. broke up with somebody and they like put some of my nudes on Tumblr. But oh, then fuck. they mix them up with nudes that also weren't mine. And I was like, okay, sir. First of all, you have violated my trust. Uh-huh. But second of all, that is not my dick. It's not as nice as my dick. Maybe you had another Latino send you their dick pic and you confused us in the folder. Uh-huh. But that is not my penis, sir. Um, so I was deeply oh upset. God. But that, you know, that was, all. it's like... So, that's another reason, right? Why I think normalizing the consumption of porn and paying for porn, Mm-mm. investing in this industry can help avoid things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think across the board, we all win when we treat this as a legitimate industry that people should be funding and yeah. people should be paying for as much as they can. You know what I mean? I'll stream a scene or a TV show illegally every now and then, uh-huh, uh-huh. maybe a movie, but I, I do try to pay for it when I can afford it yeah. as often as possible. And when I know it will benefit the people who I think need it most. Yeah. Um. Are you still on Scruff? Are you still like the like the face? Oh my God, the face of Scruff. Um. I'm still doing videos for them. Um. The quiz show that I was hosting is like kind of on hiatus. I am kind of trying to turn it into a live show, mm. like a traveling live show, which would be pretty cool. That'd be really cool. Um. Yeah. So that'd be really fun. Um. And uh, you know, I'm occasionally co-hosting for MTV. They have a show online called Need to Know, which has been really great. Oh. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really killer. Um, and then, you know, just like doing stand-up around the city. Uh, if folks want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram using the handle Gaybones, G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z. It is a nickname I got in college, and I never thought I would have to speak professionally. And then Twitter became a thing. Uh- <laughs> it was really bad, yeah. But I stuck with it. I mean, I kept the nickname. It was great. Yeah, you've owned it. You've taken control. Yeah. You're like, sure. That's know, what we right? want to call it. No, I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I also, oh, I have a monthly show at Caveat called The Nerds and the Bees. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I co host with this incredibly charming uh, dating expert named Steve Dean. Um, we're such an odd couple together, and I really love it. Um, but yeah, we basically sort of talk about how online dating has sort of reshaped uh, our notions of conventional relationships today. Mm-hmm. Um, but also how the industry works, uh, which is really wild and very, very interesting. Like Steve has a lot of knowledge about the data that different apps collect and the people running them. Uh, and he has like over 200 dating apps on his phone, like downloaded. There are two over 200 dating apps. Oh, honey, that's that's a slice. OK, he told me there are over 400 dating apps. There's literally it's like I feel like the rule of porn applies to the rule of dating apps. If you can think of a concept, it already exists. It's wild. Oh, but... So yeah, so we've been exploring that. It's a monthly show at uh, Caveat. We might be taking a hiatus in March because I'm unfortunately traveling, but we'll be back in April and it's always the first week of the month. Yay! We are back. Well, I don't have a phone like Fraser for you to call, uh, you can email me questions, concerns, um, bad reviews, but I'll ignore them at awkwardsexinthecity at gmail.com. Again, I radio silence on stories from you guys, guys. Like, I am disappointed. No, I'm not disappointed. I do whatever you feel comfortable with. But I would love, love to to, to get more uh, interactions with the fans. I have one. I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, I listen to mine only to edit. Um, 
not even edit someone edits it for me and then I listen to make sure there's nothing else I don't want edited Kaylin is like fucking losing it right now I don't know but there is this podcast called Be There in Five uh, and I really respect the host because she gets and she like talks alone a lot but she gets a lot of like stuff from her her fans like she'll ask like send in these type of stories and I would love to do something like that I feel like it's very personable and I want you guys to know that I know only you can hear me and I can't hear you, but I could hear you if you emailed me or messaged me some things that you want to talk about or like share. Guys, bye. (laughs) 